presence. He uh, gave a little break today on Presence Day. We'll kind of shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about something I know a lot about, Matt. Social media. Oh, God. Boy, you were an influencer on it, the sly? Even I didn't believe that one, Matt. I know Jack squaddles <laughs> about social media. Um, I do know this, though. As a parent, as a parent of uh, first a 33-year-old, now a 19-year-old, I've got two kids at home. Well, not at home anymore. Both of them are out. One's out on a row, one's off to college. Uh, my oldest child was raised prior to the age of social media. And while she now at 33, of course, still uses social media pretty effectively, most often to get their news. I hate to say that, but most, uh, gen- she's, she's not a Gen Z, my youngest. I believe she's a millennial. They get most of their information, including news, from the internet and social media feeds, which oh, is a dangerous. God. I know, it's dangerous, very dangerous. Although, given last week's story about uh, America's number one news station, completely not, uh, not even buying themselves the garbage they were spewing, you know, maybe, maybe TikTok is the place to get your news. You know, it's sure not, surely not one of the big three. They can't be trusted. Anyway, uh, I was asked not to not to get right because you guys are best when you're not getting political. Said a texter, and I didn't think the last hour was political. I wasn't poking fun at a particular side. I wasn't trying to be biased or, you know, um, prejudiced in my rantings about what we deserve from our elected officials. I kind of thought that I was being even-handed, saying that all politicians should be held to a higher standard, right? I was, I was trying to anyway. I was trying to. I'm talking about social media. Here's a story I heard John and Sherry do this afternoon. And and they did the story with, I, I thought, good, great care. Uh, but some things that were said kind of troubled me a little bit. So I wanted to try to take on this story as well. And hopefully give my perspective on it as the parent of a child raised in the age of social media. It's a story about a young lady named Allie Drake. And I'm quoting the, uh, the Washington Post. Allie Drake says she used TikTok like a diary. When she felt friendless, she'd make a video about it. When she noticed the symptoms of her bipolar disorder or wondered if her ex was still thinking about her, she'd open the app and press record. It helped that she was obsessed with understanding the app's algorithm and what content performed well, the 19-year-old said. On TikTok, her videos reached people who understood her and what she was going through. But her videos also reached the coaches of the college water ski program she hoped to join. They sent her an email saying that her videos were too negative and she was denied a spot on the team. From her social media posts, the college that she had applied to and the coaching staff she had applied to to become a collegiate athlete viewed her online content And said that her videos were too negative. And this is Allie again. I was just talking about how I feel. It's supposed to be a good thing to do that, Drake said. She has 4,000 TikTok followers. It was pretty shocking to see the consequences of the way you post. Drake ended up starting her college application process from scratch. She declined to name the program that denied her the spot on their team to protect her reputation as a current college athlete. Does this get into what she posted that led to her not being able to go to that school? It does. Um, and, and again, she 
She wasn't, I don't know if she was, the story doesn't say whether she was denied access to that university, but she was denied a spot on that athletic team, which was the reason she was pursuing that particular university. And the, the story says that she was too negative. You know, her, she was too, she was too much of a downer. Her posts about being insecure or her bipolar disorder or the fact that she worried about whether her boyfriend was still thinking about her, that she dealt with dark days in her life. That was what the coaching staff deemed warranted withdrawing their offer of a position on their particular team at that particular school. The story in the Washington Post says Drake and her peers are in a tough spot. Raised on the Internet and isolated by the pandemic, their social lives have played out on apps like TikTok. While corporate social media campaigns raised awareness about subjects like mental health and body positivity, young people just shared their experiences in droves. But now as they hit college or the working world, they're met with a harsh reality. The standard of professionalism among older generations hasn't changed, and it doesn't make room for the type of authenticity Social media companies tend to encourage. Now, it was it was offered today that why would this young woman put her life so far out there on social media? Why would she be so vulnerable and so authentic with who she was and how she felt to her social media followers? And I would offer this, that it has been studied and proven that not everyone who posts on social media is narcissistic or just seeking attention or hits or likes or shares or followers. They're not all trying to be influencers. A lot of young people on social media, especially as the story said, grew up or the last few years have been a time of isolation from the norms that we all grew up with of going to a school environment, having a friend, a social media or a social environment, not a social media, a social environment with real people. This generation has been denied that for almost three years. And they f- they took to what they had available, which was social media. Schools were being done by social media. Most socialization was being done on social media platforms. TikTok, Instagram, Facebook of your dinosaur, whatever. Snapchat. Twitter. This is the 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 playground or the chessboard. Of this generation. This is the game we forced them to play. This is the pigeon that walked across the chessboard of <laughs> old school media, yeah. like radio and television. And yeah, that's what social media is to me, the pigeon. It, 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 that's fair. But, but then again, to, to understand it, this is the world they live in. This next generation, this Gen Z. This is the world that we, we this is what they've had available to them. And as the story said... They're now dealing with a, an academic and a professional world that doesn't play by those rules, doesn't have those standards. You know, they're dealing with uh, prof- companies looking to hire people, schools looking to accept students, and they look at everything you post. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm getting a little fur- further down the track that I want to. I want to make one point clear, that the children of this generation, Gen Z, and I'm not sure when that starts and ends or what age we're talking about. We're talking about kids who use social media to connect with their world from age you know, 12, 13 on. I mean, just all the way through, through their teens, through their early 20s, into their 30s. 
Nowadays, we've all been so isolated. That's still how they interact with everybody in their lives. Not everybody, but the majority of people of the relationships are over social media. And I'm going to get to the point about what goes on social media and its, and its potential to derail anything you want to accomplish in life. But first and foremost, it was offered today that people who do this are seeking, you know, well, just seeking recognition or likes or follows or whatever. You know, a lot of people are just speaking to someone who they want to know that they're not the only person feeling like this. That other people of their age or their, you know, community have also felt these the sense of desperation, hopelessness, you know, Mr. You know, no direction, rudderless existences. It's nice when you understand that people feel the same way you do. That's a human nature requirement of anyone. That's why we tend to watch the news we like to watch to reaffirm the same positions we already hold. It's nice to feel that we're not alone in feeling like this. We have others who feel this way too. The sense of community. That's been in our DNA for eons. It's not something new to Gen Z. So when someone posts about their insecurities, their self-doubts, their body image issues, and there's a community out there that says, hey, I'm, I'm, I've been there. You're not alone. That's, that's incredibly valuable from a mental health perspective. What's not valuable are amateurs out there slinging around mental health advice. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago, how there's this flood of influencers, I'm using air quotes, social media influencers, unqualified, untrained, non-professional influencers offering advice about mental health issues to the people who are using social media to have a community. If you're going to use social media to seek to air your mental health laundry, which is fine, it's, it's, it's a good thing, but make sure you're also seeking advice, therapy, you know, counsel from people who know what they're talking about, who aren't just seeking out followers. I've got 50,000 followers on TikTok. I've got no training in social media or, or in mental health issues, but I'll offer you all the advice. And I must know something because I've got 500,000 followers on social media. So I must know what I'm talking about. No, you don't. You're just leading everybody off a cliff. But here's what, what bugged me about this story. It's the school that bailed on this young person because they had experienced sadness and self-doubt and, and a dark side. This school withdrew their offer to be on this, uh, this water skiing team. I've never heard of a worse coaching decision in my life or an example of a worse coach in my life than seeing someone who obviously had the physical skills to compete at a collegiate level, you'd offered this person a position on your team. And then because they've got mental health issues, when at a time when more young Americans have mental health difficulties and challenges than at any time in our history, a coaching staff that doesn't see that, understand that, have some empathy toward that, and pulls their scholarship offer or their, their, their offer to be on their team, forcing this young student athlete to seek an entirely fresh start about where they're going to go to school and who they're going to play a sport for, I think that Allie Drake got lucky not going to this school. I think they gave her the gift of a lifetime by pulling the offer to be on their team. If a coach sees a student athlete that is struggling, the most important thing the coach can do, the most valuable skill the coach has, isn't to teach them how to water ski better. It's to teach them how to be a, a young person, to give them a sense of community, which is what sports does, provides that sense of community and support.
did any student athlete ever need a good coach better than this kid who's living her life in social media and sharing her doubts and insecurities on social media? I mean, talk about needing a good coach, a good environment, a good support staff. I'd love to know where this kid was going to go to school and which coaching staff did withdraw the offer so I could tell no kid to ever go play for these dorks. What a, what a horrible, horrible coach it must be to see somebody who is struggling and decide, I don't want you anywhere near my team. You're too negative. Dude, you've got to be kidding me. I, when I heard the story today, you know, of course there's a cautionary tale about social media, about the internet, about texting, about Twitter. I tell my girls, look, you know, and I've told you this before, Matt, this is, you know, somebody told me this a long time ago. Imagine everything you put into your keyboard or on your phone is going to be on a billboard across the street from your mom's house. You've got the same expectation of privacy. You've got no expectation of privacy. Send it to one person, fine. That person gets mad at you, they've still got it, it's there forever. Everything on the internet is there forever. Forever. Every bad decision you make, every bit of misguided trust you put in someone else to keep a secret, forget it. It's not secret. And it's going to be there forever. And like this article in the Washington Post says, employers, school administrators, it's not just looking at your your test scores or your essay letters or your letters of recommendation, they're looking at who you really are on social media. They're looking at your life. If you're the person that's out party bombing photos from all your wild nights, you know, that's the person they, they may not want at their university. It doesn't matter what your test scores were or what your teachers have written in these glowing letters of recommendation that you've worked hard to earn. They're also going to look, they're going to look at those. They're also going to look at the the dumbest moments of your life. And I feel for this generation because now everything they've ever done is captured for eternity on social media. I mean, we can play that game. You know, I couldn't begin to tell you the horrifically stupid things that I did in my life and how many times I thanked my lucky stars. There were no cameras around. There was no posting of this. I'm stupid enough to tell you about it on the air. I've been doing that for 30-some years. Part of the best radio shows I've ever done about how stupid I was in my youth. Some of the total idiocy I took part in as a kid. Because that's what you do as kids. You learn, you make mistakes. You try things out and they don't work. You find the guardrails of who you are as a person and what society will accept. How to become a good member of a community, of a family, of a society, of a school, of a company you work for. I thank my lucky stars there weren't cameras. There wasn't, I didn't have a Facebook page or a Twitter account or a TikTok account when I was a kid. I mean, and, you know, we had the luxury of actually going out and having to make friends and really meet people. Kids today, they have the luxury of social media. It can be a valuable tool. It can be supportive. It can be a help. It can connect you with people. It can help you find this network of people who have felt the same way you feel. But it can also be, a, you know, a trap door to, to bullies getting into your world. It's a, it's a piggy bank full of your bad decisions. And you go to apply for a school or apply for a job and they crack open that piggy bank of bad decisions. And there they are all in film, 
all posted to social media, all on the internet forever. I feel for kids these days. I would have made the same stupid mistakes and made the same stupid archival record of my horrible decisions for all of eternity, and I wouldn't have gotten to a good school. I wouldn't have got a good job. There's no way. Kids these days have to be more aware of the footprints they're leaving behind from their life. You know, and the last thing a kid needs, the last thing a kid needs, if they're struggling with who they are as a person, with self-doubt, with body issues, you know, with with a a mental struggle, whether it's bipolar, like like Allie Drake in this story in the Washington Post, or just depression or anxiety from the world that these kids are forced to grow into, the world, what we've given them as a future, as a present. You know, those kids are... for those kids to come across a coaching staff that doesn't see the, a student athlete who needs support and step in at that moment and provide what a coaching staff and sports community is supposed to do at a school, provide community and guidance and leadership when they just jettison this athlete because you seem, you know, too dark. You're too, you're too unhappy for us. Oh, you're too negative. Greatest gift this kid ever got was not being accepted by that coaching staff at that school. Also, given that she deals with bipolar, this could be great grounds for a discrimination lawsuit. You know, I it's funny you're you're flat out right, but this 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 kid, the student athlete who's kept her she's given her name to this article and that's brave. She isn't mentioning the school she applied to because she wants to not have it haunt her. By the school she's at now, she wants to be just you know, applied again from scratch, fresh new start, got accepted somewhere else. I, I just I heard this story today, and there's so many elements of this that are important to bring up, whether it's warning kids that these decisions you make are going to be there forever, or letting coaching staffs out there know, too, really? You chose this moment to turn your back on a young adult? I, I'm, I'm happy for Allie Drake. I hope she finds success in her in her sport and at her school, more importantly. And I'm glad she's with a coaching staff that cares enough about the human individual, not just the athlete on their team, to step up and be what she needs at this moment in her life. It's Cairo Nights. I'm Spike Lee along with Matt Butler. We'll be right back after these. I'm Spike O'Neill along with Matt Butler and the great Chrissy Hyde of the Pretenders. Uh, probably the best thing to ever come out of Ohio, I think, maybe. You know, if I had to make an educated guess. Hell yeah. I was zipping around through the social media today, speaking of social media, and I saw a picture of Fred, is it Schneider for the B-52s? And yes. Kate Pearson for B-52s. Yep along with Chrissy Hine and a couple other folks from that era, on that musical era. And uh, I'm thinking, boy, what a party that must have been. What a night that could have. Oh, yeah. Yep, little moments in history. You know, we're going to talk about the presidents in the movies. 
We'll, I'll wait till the top of the hour to talk about it. a little more separation. Little, give you a little break from President's Day. Happy President's Day, everybody. I hope you had a wonderful holiday. If you got it off today, if your boss gave it to you off, if your boss is the government, you had it off today. I know that banks were closed today, right? Federal holidays. Post office were closed today, federal holidays. The things that uh, that make a good federal holiday. The, the stock market was closed today for a federal holiday. So uh, to avoid that, let's talk about uh, we'll talk about kids. We talked about kids last break on social media and how kids these days have to be careful living their life in such a public forum as social media because these, uh, these tweets and posts and TikToks are forever. Not just the Chinese government, but here at home as well. A story about the, how kids don't eat a daily vegetable. The CDC. CDC did a study that said half of America's kids don't eat a daily vegetable. And even less, eat a piece of fruit every day. Now, you know, let's talk about the food pyramid and how it was designed by the agricultural industry to get us to buy more dairy. I was raised in the era of a glass of milk a day. You know, that was that was the ad campaign when I was a kid. You know, milk, it does a body good. They had all of our heroes out there drinking milk. Whether it was, you know, in my case in Baltimore, Calrican Jr. or... Ken Griffey Jr. here in the Northwest, or whomever, Dale Earnhardt, you know, with a glass of milk in his hand, does a body good. The food pyramid was set up so that we would buy more grain to help the grain industry, right? Buy more dairy to help the dairy industry. Well, I sure do my part for the grain industry. Do you? Are you a big grain guy? As long as it's in liquid form, yeah, yes. Barley, sure. Hops and barley, you bet. Those are grains. I'll drink a glass of bread with the, with anybody. I really will. Absolutely. Uh, this study says that less than half of America's, or about half of America's kids, don't eat a vegetable every day. And I would say, let's look at the uh, let's look at the glasses half full. The glass of V eight. If half of America's kids don't eat a vegetable every day, half of America's kids do. Good on your parents. You parents that are getting, half of the parents in America are getting their kids to eat a vegetable every day of the week. That's something I could never do. My kids wouldn't eat vegetables. You know, it's, and when you're little, when you need these, these nutrients that vegetables offer, that's when it's most important. One of the smartest commercials I ever saw was for cheese. Okay, it was a, I guess it was Kraft. I'm not sure. It could have been another cheese company, but I'm sure it was Kraft. Uh, about how they couldn't get these kids to eat broccoli until you melt some cheese and put it on it. Then these kids are licking the plate like a bunch of Coke heads. Sorry, didn't mean to paint that picture with your young child eating broccoli. But, you know, if kids aren't eating vegetables, it's because we as parents are, are failing them. We're not preparing them well. And we could talk about how a lot of uh, families in America can't afford to eat healthy. It's It's more costly to eat healthy and buy nutritious food than it is to find a fast food, cheap solution to feed your kids these days. I think that's pretty common knowledge that eating right is, is harder and more expensive. A lot of cities in America don't have grocery stores or a lot of neighborhoods in America, I should say a lot of neighborhoods in America don't have a grocery store in their neighborhood. And these are parts of towns where not everybody has the luxury of a personal vehicle. You know, up in New York City, when my daughter lived in New York City, there are bodegas, little grocers, right? And they, but they don't have produce sections in bodegas. 
You know, they don't have a deli counter where you can get fresh meat, even even processed luncheon meats. No, you got to shop in packages and in boxes and cans in bodegas. And in some neighborhoods, that's the only option they have are these micro grocers, these bodegas or whatever, you know, the little neighborhood store. I was listening to uh, Mike Lewis on with G. Scott. I think it was uh, late last week. They were talking about this story. And Mike brought up a very good point that a lot of the canned vegetables, frozen, actually frozen vegetables that are for sale in our grocery stores have better nutritional value than if we bought and and cooked fresh vegetables at home because these vegetables are, are picked and processed and frozen, flash frozen at the height of their nutritional value. Right. And even a, a, a bag of frozen peas or frozen carrots or whatever it might be has more nutritional value than something we get fresh. So there is a way to do this. There is a way to make sure that kids eat vegetables. Well, slather it in cheese, whatever. You know, don't give them a glass of milk, give them a glass of whatever, a glass of juice, fresh you know, water. You know what's funny? My kid never had a taste of pop or soda, depending upon where you were born, what you call this stuff. A sugary carbonated beverage. My wife wouldn't let him in the house. That's impressive discipline. Seriously, my wife was just like, "We're not going to have him. They don't need. They do not need a soda. They do not need a can of pop. You don't either, fat boy." She says to me with love in her heart and voice. And we didn't have him in the house. So you just grabbed one on the way home. Well, sometimes, but but you know, we drink a lot of water in my house. We do. We drink a lot of water. And my kids were always brought up on water. And now I, I've, I've mentioned this before. I was raised in the does a body good milk era. And I've got an unhealthy addiction to dairy. I drink more milk than I should. I mean, it, I don't think anyone needs dairy in their life if they're done suckling from their mother or whatever substitute you were given as a child. If you were given formula or whatever, you know, bodies with growing bones need. And I know calcium does. Does your bones good? Without some dairy in your life, you would uh, your bones would become brittle. I know it's a osteoporosis, whatever they call this ailment of brittle bones. Some dairy's good, but I just I drink way too much milk. I could drink milk with it. I love the taste of milk. I drink I can drink milk with every meal. It's why I'm morbidly obese by federal standards. Anyway, I could still chase somebody who stole my phone. I think I could I think I could muster up one last run at somebody who stole my phone was running away with it. But, uh, yeah, I'm not going to be anybody's winning relay team. I can promise you that. We owe it to our kids to serve them better food, you know. And it's tough for fast food places, which are just the the alternative, the, 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 the problem solver for most of us. It's not always about money. It's about time and convenience. Who has the time to shop and cook at home? We all do have the time if we make it a priority, but we, we don't make it a priority often enough. You know, and people say, well, you just have a salad. Salad is just a delivery mechanism for dressing. It really is. You know, French fries are just a ketchup delivery system. I, I, I understand. That's what we're doing. But again, this story that half of America's kids don't eat a daily vegetable, as per the CDC... You know me, Matt, I'm a, I'm a beer glass half full kind of guy. I think half America's parents are getting their kids to eat vegetables every day. It makes a difference in your kid's life. You know, they're more ready to learn. They've got uh, better antibodies. They've got better, per, uh, you know, resistance to illness. 
if they eat a good, healthy diet. I know a, a guy I love, good friend, smart guy, solid family, great wife, smart lady. I know their kids need anything but chicken nuggets for the first two years of their life. And the kid's fine. Kid's an adult now. Kid's graduated college. Great kid. So, so I, you know, it's not going to kill these kids to have garbage. But at some point, we got to get them to eat something green. And not just the green shake at McDonald's on St. Patrick's Day. Green chicken nuggets. Oh, man. <laughs> oi, 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 oi. Yeah, it sounds delicious. Let's load me up. Uh, <laughs> it's Cairo Knights from Spike Lee along with Matt Butler. We'll be right back after these. Spike O'Neill along with Matt Butler. Lots of you guys have opinions on milk, first off. Uh, and I've, I'm not alone in being a, a, a milkaholic. Grown adults in our audience, like myself, uh, have, a, have an unnatural and unhealthy addiction to milk. And it was part of a, what we were taught. I was punked by the by the dairy industry, you know, and and my local television channel Saturday morning cartoons they were in on it. I was fed a, a teat of goods, you know. I mean, uh, texture says, "Hey, pop your head under a cow, get it right from the source, and see how you like it." No, 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 no. I like it. I like it homogenized, two percent ice cold. Yeah, man, nothing better. You know, when I I can eat a steak, right? Nothing wrong with eating a steak. Isn't milk the exact same thing as a steak? I mean, they're both cow at some point, right? Just liquid and solid forms right, of the right, same being. Right? <laughs> I know I drink. I know I drink too much dairy. I know I do, and I know I don't eat enough. I don't eat enough vegetables. There are eat probably fruit. worse vices than drink too no, much. No, I, I hear you. I hear you. I'm, in the oh, modern diet, I don't know though, Matt. I mean, I'm sure you know. When I was trying to lose weight, and I have lost, you know, I used to weigh a lot more than I do now, but I've blossomed. I've, I've reignited a little bit. You know, I was told if you want to lose weight, you got to steer clear of dairy. Your body doesn't really need it. It turns it directly into fat, yada, yada, yada. A text with Shaq and Everett says, kale has more iron than beef and more calcium than milk per calorie per serving. That's because you can eat an entire wheelbarrow full of kale, you know, and, and, and you're, you're not wrong. Shaq, you're not wrong. It's very good for you. You know, we, we, were, we were in a, in, the, in a smoothie kick at our house for a while, right? We uh, got ourselves a really nice blender, one of those, you know, first world white privilege blenders, you know, ones like Vita something or other, right? I mean, you, you, get, you got a $500 blender. You got nothing in the world to complain about. So if you, if you, if you look on your counter at home, 
If you've got a $500 blender, shut up about everything in your life. You have no problems. There are people that can't make rent, can't feed their kids. And you've got a, and I've got a $500 blender. So I'm, I just, I'm not complaining about anything. Okay. We got on the smoothie kick. And okay, we'll throw a little kale in there because kale's good. As uh, Shaq and Ever tells us, it's got more iron than beef and more calcium than milk per calorie per serving. Okay. So I'm throwing, I'm throwing a little kale in my smoothie. Yeah, okay. Along with the blueberries, mangoes, strawberries, bananas, vanilla yogurt. You know, I mean, come on. I'm having a milkshake. Who am I kidding? You know, I mean, it's it's not a... It's not my favorite chocolate peanut butter milkshake. I'll give you that. I'm not, you know, mainlining a fat sandwich into my arms and veins there. You know, it's texture says, you know, juice is just as bad as milk. Juice isn't fruit, folks. Don't don't kid yourself thinking that if you're drinking juice, you're getting your fruit for the day. You know, part of the reason that you that's good to eat vegetables and good to eat fruit. I mean, like those vegetable drinks like V8. Those, uh, remember it was Odwalla, those super food fruit drinks that were just all sugar. I mean, it's okay. You got a couple apples in there, a pineapple, a kumquat, whatever, a plum, a raspberry, whatever. And about 19 scoops of sugar. You know, uh, eating fruit is the part of the process is chewing fruit and digesting whole fruit, not drinking juice. Same with vegetables. You got, you know, it would serve us all better if we ate better. I get it. It's just hard to do sometimes, especially if you're a family on a budget. Hard to feed a family responsibly and healthily for your kids, especially if you live in a community that doesn't have a grocer. You know, you you got to get on a bus to go to a grocery store and then haul your groceries home. We got to remember that sometimes, though. We judge people about uh, what they, how they live their lives. We're very judgmental as a society. We judge people on how they live their lives based on how we live our lives and the challenges that we face on a daily basis. It's nothing for me to hop into one of my two, three cars at my house and drive to the two or three grocery stores within five minutes of our home and make these selections and bring them home, put them in my one of two fridge and freezers, right? Throw it in my $500 blender and prepare a meal in my beautiful state-of-the-art electric range oven. A lot of people don't have these luxuries. You can't judge them by the same standards that we live our lives. A lot of people have a little tiny fridge and a little tiny apartment and no car and no grocery store in their neighborhood. They got to hop on a bus and go buy groceries. By the way, have you seen the price of groceries lately? It's redonkulous. I saw a jar of jam, our preferred brand of jam at home, okay? It's I, I can I've picked them up for two for seven dollars when they're on sale. And this is like top shelf jam, right? I mean, you know me. I don't eat like, you know, Kirkland. I don't think Kirkland makes a good jam. I don't know. You know, I don't I, I hate generic food. I know generic food is good as as good as any food with a brand label. But I buy that, you know, French stuff in the way of jams. I would love to just find the food where it is just the generic version of the exact same thing that you're paying more with a fancy label. That would be great. No, it's out there. I, I know it's out there. You know, but anyway, so this jam is up to like eight fifty a jar. I mean, okay, did the COVID wipe out the jam plant in France? 
Why is jam more than doubled in price? I mean, come on. I get the egg shortage. I get the 57 million plus dead birds due to an avian flu outbreak. Cause the price of eggs to skyrocket because supply and demand. I understand how supply and demand works. But there wasn't a blight on currant or raspberries. Why is the jam more than doubled in price? Again, would they send everybody home from the jam factory in France because of a COVID outbreak? I doubt it. I think the supply chains have righted themselves. I think it's opportunistic grocers. I think that's why food prices are insanely high. We talked about the three things that lead uh, to grocery store pricing, right? It's the cost of the goods they're buying, the cost of transporting the goods they're buying, and the cost of the labor that it takes to run their grocery stores. Those are the three overhead items you've got when you run a grocery store. Well, gas prices have come down like a buck and a half from last year. Um, And I don't think the supply chain is broken. We're moving through that. I think it's record profits from the grocery industry is the reason that my jam yesterday was $8.50 a jar. And to your point about uh, buying generics as good as the original, somebody on the text line can tell me if this urban legend is true. Is Costco vodka made by the same people who make Grey Goose and just put it in a Kirkland bottle? I've heard that to be true. That Kirkland brands, which I was just making fun of from the jeans to the jam. What do I know? I don't know nothing. Kirkland products are bought from the same manufacturers. They're putting the same thing in a Grey Goose bottle as they are a Kirkland brand signature vodka bottle. And according to the official Grey Goose website FAQ page, that is false. It is not the same vodka. Okay. Okay. Well, Urban Legends busted right here at Cairo Nights. So tell me this. Let's do some shots. We'll get a bottle of Grey Goose and a bottle of Kirkland. That's the only test that matters, right? We'll do shots. We'll do shots of Kirkland and shots of Grey Goose. And then we'll have one of those sobriety tests that they did on WKRP. It'd and at great. a certain point, you won't care which brand it is. <laughs> it's the same thing with green beans. Kirkland will fill you up just as fast as a high-priced, highfalutin brand. It's Cairo Nights. When we come back... We're going to revisit President's Day with the best president ever on screen, in my opinion. I'd love to hear yours. Who played the best president? Morgan Freeman? Huh? Hey. You you know how many people have played um, Nixon? Like eight different actors have played Nixon. I'll give them to you. It's Kyra Knights. We'll be right back.